This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Okay, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. I'm Jason Roundsville. I have my co-host Dylan Ray with me today, and we have live from Reno... We have one of our board members, our vice president, Dallas Smith, is with us. Dallas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Dylan. It's an honor to be here. Hey, we're excited about it. This is, if you want to talk about excitement, Reno right now is the place to be. There's a lot going on. Absolutely, yeah. You walk walk around the floor down there, and there's tons of stuff going on. We walk through the display that's not quite open yet, but first year that we've invited velveted animals to be recognized as world records and and ranked and it's oh my goodness it it is a complete display of archery quill killed animals yeah it's like nothing you've ever seen it's it's uh when remy was here yesterday remy warren and he walked into that room and the look on his face was he said like, holy crap he said holy crap and it's like when when you have a guy who sees the quality like he's not a stranger to shooting big animals sure and being around it you know and and when a guy like that walks into a banquet hall and sees the amount of displays the number of it, it's amazing i mean i was at omaha i've seen other there's this is and this is truly the next level. Listen, I've, I've been a major for over 30 years. I've been to every convention for the last 30 years. We've never had this type of a display, this broadness, broad spectrum of animals yeah. in here. It's unbelievable. Well, yeah. me and Remy walked around that place, and he's like, oh, that's a new world record. 
Oh, that's a new world record. Oh, that's new. <laughs> yeah. Ten different times. Ten yeah. times. Ten you, times you said that. You yep. know, you hear people talk about the good old days. You know, we're living them. You know, yeah, every 100%. every two years we're producing five to ten uh, world records. Just when does it end? But man, we're in it. That's that's amazing. It's um, it's just every bow hunter out there. When you hear about ten new world records in the last two years, it gives everyone that just glint of you know what it could happen it's for my me. turn yeah and and you talk to guys and when we talk to you know the guy that, that got that new alberta elk up there that's just a monster and when we're talking to people like that it's you know he's he's one of us he's a he's a an everyday bow hunter and you know obviously he's putting his time in and he's doing a lot of things right but it's just that extra little thing where it could happen for me and it's it's so much just just the possibilities on something like that it's it's, it's nice to be a part you know of and that that's what's amazing you see these world records and and they're not the the people you would expect killing them all of them you know right. the, these are just average everyday guys that are going out and hunting yeah and uh, you know there's some guys out there that really target those animals yeah. and they have produced but by far and away it's the average joe bone hunter that are are putting yeah. these number ones up on the board and even not just the number ones the top tens yeah you know these are world-class animals and it's average joe bow hunter it's it, it's it, so great to hear i mean there there are the alan bullens who i mean that guy he's sure. looking for the next sure. top five yeah, absolutely and he does a great job on yeah. it and uh and he will post a few more world records along the way he will but it still won't make up for the average guy that's going out no. there and he's applying his skills and he makes it happen so. yeah i got to spend some time last weekend with uh with steve felix who has the number one elk out there and it just just a, a four, what is a mon 434 yeah. monster bowl and and you listen to his story, and he's like, you know what? I was even kind of having a bummer day, and I, I realized, you know, I just need to get out and go. <laughs> and obviously some things went right, but, you know, here's a guy who's not unlike a lot of the people we know. Good hunter, solid hunter, but but one of us, you know. Sure. And so, sure. and then it happens, gets a new world record, and, and you know, uh, that's that's one thing I want to hit on real quick because we do put a lot of emphasis on that top end, you know, world record, top ten, top five. We mandate mm -hmm. them to come to panel and everything, but man. It doesn't take a top ten animal to really have a phenomenal trophy, you yes. know. So don't get don't get tied up in those those numbers because that's all they are is numbers. Yeah, you know, get tied up in hey, this is conservation. We are making a difference. We are the most effective conservation group of hunters there is. You yeah. know, we we put more people in the on the ground, more money on the ground, more resources, and. Every animal, whether it makes the book or not, is part of that North American model. It's the fabric that we manage animals to, and we need that diverse harvest. It's we not do. just about the trophies. No, I mean, if everyone, if everybody went out and only took the top 1% of animals, then the entire North American wildlife model wouldn't work. We have to have right. those management animals taken there's there's and, places where doe harvest is as critical as absolutely. anything else and so and it's good prime clean protein oh man a plus organic non-gmo non any it's as good as it gets 
So, well, Dallas, one of the things we're here at Reno, we've got convention all week. It's it's fantastic. I'm so excited. A lot of new changes with Pope and Young. A lot of things. This is, you know, it's 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 the dichotomy of the whole thing is is not lost on me because here we are celebrating 60 years so it's our 60th anniversary and even with that you know the board has made some what i view as pretty remarkable steps for our next 60 years and one of those is we have our new rebranding we have a new logo if you haven't seen it you're about to see it somewhere um i know it's all over the convention hall we're super proud of it um, but it's more than just a logo. We have taken the steps and and created the pillars that we're to live by as we move forward on our next 60 years. And so would you, for me as our vice president, talk about those three pillars, what that means to Pope and Young, what that means to you, and what does that mean for bow hunters? What does that mean for, for you know, Joe Average out there who's just you know he wants to go shoot a 140 buck he's he's you know would love to shoot a world record but he's he's a bow hunter and he sure you know what's that mean for all of us you bet and so the three pillars preserve protect and promote this isn't something new that we're doing basically what we're doing is we're streamlining and focusing on what we've been doing for 60 years we're putting a better message together to to reach a broader base of bow hunters out there is really the whole philosophy behind that, you know. Um, sometimes in the past they've, you know, we've been accused of being um, a little inclusive and um, good or, old boys. Or exclusive. Exclusive, yeah. yeah. And uh, good old boys club. And, you know, there are some really good old boys in this club. Yes. Guys have been here forever, but. Some of the best. But the, uh, the amazing thing we may have that persona, but if you come to these conventions and you see these guys, you see the Tom Hoffmans and the Jack Frost, these these yeah. are these are the Fred Bears of today. You know, these are that caliber of individuals. And they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like we do. And they'll sit there and talk to you and talk about this sheep hunt or yeah. this over here. And and if you ask them a pointed question about how do you get there, how do you do that? And yeah. They will help you. They will sit down and talk to you. So, so basically, what we're trying to do is is just make it more inviting to everybody. You okay. know, um, one of the largest growing aspects of outdoors is women and women bow hunters, particularly. And we're you come to our conventions, we look like a a box of Q tips. They're all gray haired guys standing <laughs> in a row, you know. And uh, and and we're going to reach out and, and bring. Some better scenery to the uh, to the one organization. Of, one of our new world records was taken by at least one of our new world records was taken by a lady bow hunter, and that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it, oh, know, it's, it's fantastic. It's it's not the first female world record we had, but yeah. it's great, and we should be capitalizing on that. We should show the world, hey. I was excited about it because I'm walking through the hall, and you know, here I am, uh, executive director here, and and I'm walking through the hall, and I'm. I still get a little bit in awe. I, I, I still get a lot bit in awe. And I'm walking through the hall, and I'm like, oh, well, hey, that's a friend of mine on Facebook. Oh, there's a friend of mine on Facebook. I'm like, hey, that's a friend of, my, of mine on Facebook. She just shot a new world record. I'm like, maybe I need <laughs> yeah. to pay more attention to Facebook. Yeah. So yeah. it's, But it's really exciting to see. 
and uh, and you mentioned how how everyone is at convention, and that blew me away at Omaha. Everywhere you go, I mean, the huge names. You know, I I got the the privilege of having dinner with Donald Trump Jr. We were just sitting around talking about hunting, and that's what everybody hears about. It's it's a a brotherhood and a sisterhood and the camaraderie of of what you're doing and you know i've i've never been on some of these trips i've never been on the sheep mountain or at least i've never been hunting sheep on that mountain and it's you're talking to these folks and they they get just excited hearing about your last deer hunt as they would hearing about if you were up on the sheep mountain well that's what i was going to say the first time i came around you know you're talking to frank nosco or jack frost and and you know they could tell you more stories than yeah you could ever dream of but they care just as much about the 130 whitetail that i shot last year as yeah the new world record sure. they just, i mean and, and so it is viewed as elitists but then once you actually take the step and and join and become a member and, and yeah. grow a part of it i mean these guys care more about you than they care about themselves and it's just it's it's an incredible it's an incredible yeah. atmosphere you know you use the word elitist and and quite honestly it, it, it's being a bow hunter makes that you elitist. creates that yeah all bows are elitist in my know? eyes and that's exactly right they've taken that step to handicap themselves out there they're yeah. doing it the hard way you know there there's no easy easy thing about it so i can verify that I can verify <laughs> the handicap easy. part. Yeah, well, I'm at the verifying that it's not easy, but uh, you know, you'll pay for that later. You know, back day. back to the pillars there, um, and like I said, none of this is anything new. We're just refocusing uh, preserve. For over 60 years, we've been preserving the history and heritage of bow hunting. That's really what we were founded on. Um, our records program continues to grow. Are, we're getting more and more records every two years, it, more world records. Mm-hmm. We're preserving that. Now, do we get them all? No. There's people that aren't going to put their animals in for whatever reason, you know, and that's okay. But we have the most comprehensive data base of any records program out there. I think, so, I think most of the time when I'm talking to people, you know, I hear a lot, well, why did— Oh, that's a that's a really nice bucker bowl or whatever. You know, did did you get it entered? Oh no, no, I don't want to do that. And I most of the time I think people don't necessarily want that truth the the full dose of truth sure. that, that their two hundred inch buck is actually only a one seventy four. And right. I see a lot of that. Oh yeah, it's it's about two hundred inches. And I'm yeah. like you know, that's that's just the the wave of the future. You know, people yeah. have put an emphasis on a number. Yeah. And really all that number is is a statistical comparison between this animal and that animal. That's all it yeah. is. It, it's, you know, it, it's like uh, a weight on an individual. You know, I might be 240 pounds. You might be 260 pounds. I, it's just yeah. a number. It doesn't define who you are, you know. I don't know. No, but it, it, I don't know what he was saying there. I don't either, but it does define the size of jeans you have. <laughs> so, so we'll we're continued and dedicated to the preservation side of it, which which will be around our records program. You know, we're we're that, going to continue. We have, 
I don't know the exact number, over 900 certified majors that have gone through training. They do testing every two, three years to recertify and make sure they understand because it's very complex. You oh, know, man. We got 29 species, and when you consider the non-typical side, the velvet in these categories, the hardhorn typicals, there's a lot to keep track of, you know. You we know, just did a, a joint uh, venture with the, the Boone and Crockett Club to uh, consolidate a manual, so we're all on the same page doing it the, the right way, the same way. Yeah. And um, and we should note, uh, you know, the Pope and Young scoring system is, is actually the Boone and Crockett scoring system. We're yeah. licensed to use that with them. So by coming together and getting on the same page, now it's a more consistent dynamic all the way through the industry. Yeah, and they're they're good partners to work with. One of the things that that I, a couple of things from being involved with the last couple panels that just really amazed me is the absolute attention to detail that these measures pride themselves on. That one that one was a whole nother level. And then the other thing that had never dawned on me that I had just, you know, you make certain assumptions. And so you're like, oh, well, there's this whole manual. And oh, well, that's probably for muskox that we don't measure a lot of. Or some of these other things that are, that are out there and a, and a little more quote unquote rare. What I had no idea of, I had always figured, oh, well, scoring a deer, scoring a mule deer or a whitetail, oh, that's pretty basic and pretty straightforward. Oh, my goodness. I could not, that, that is the farthest from the truth. Absolutely. Whitetail deer, which is our number one entry, are probably, even though they're, they're the most common one that come in, they're the number of little nuances and the way this point comes off, it has absolutely shocked me when I started seeing some of these examples, exactly yeah. how difficult it could be to measure e even a whitetail rack. Yeah, far and away, the, the whitetail categories, both typical and non-typical, are the rules and application of rules on those animals are far and away harder and, and more detailed than any of the other animals. Yeah. You know, when the system was set up, it was set up based on symmetry. So you get a, a mule deer, it's it's pretty easy and pretty defined. An elk is pretty easy, pretty defined, you know. Uh, but the whitetail, there's so many different characteristics of of a rack, of what it does. that And, and over time, these have been addressed and adopted. Yeah. So, and obviously, because we have more entries than whitetail, more people hunt whitetail than anything else. Um, there is more knowledge about that. So, yeah. the all of a sudden, a book that that highlights twenty nine North American species, the lion's share of it's on whitetail. For yeah, sure. and that one surprised me because I figured, oh well, that's pretty basic. It's you know, it's whitetail. Yeah, deer, it's just a deer. There's so many. Anyway, <laughs> but, got a little off topic. I know we're talking about. The preserve pillar right now, and we've got the records program, but one of the preserve components that I am so excited to see come to fruition is we had the museum in Chatfield. Phenomenal place. Just didn't get the kind of traffic that that deserved. I mean, we had a lot of, a lot of weeks, not very many people saw it. I am very thrilled and excited to see our new space that Bass Pro Shops, Johnny Morris and his team are putting together for us. Um, it's going to really, you know, show that preservation. It's a national bow hunting museum um, 
the Pope and Young Museum. It's it's not open yet, but we're in the process of, of working with them to design it. And I think that's going to give people a lot of the history. And so when you talk about preserving bow hunting, I think that museum is also going to be a big component to that. Let people know where it started and how it came about. A lot of us didn't know. A lot of longtime bow hunters don't know that. So I'm, I'm really excited about that piece. You know, that was tough, you know, because you have a, uh, as a board member, a longtime member, in, you have a, um, a certain amount of pride in the museum and where it was Absolutely. there in Chatfield. And it was a phenomenal set up, but we just didn't have the traffic. Yeah. But, but, and we deliberated this for a long time. This wasn't an easy choice for any board member. But really what it come down to is this put us on the world stage. Yes. You know, we're not in a podunk town in, in the Midwest. We are on the world stage. We are side by side with, with you know, all the major mm -hmm. conservation organizations. And uh, so, and we deserve to be there. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, we absolutely deserve to be there. Now we're there. We have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking forward for that project to move forward. And uh, um having a grand opening and move, moving forward. So. It's going to be great. And, uh, you know, it, and it will expose millions and millions of people mm -hmm. that never, uh, never even thought about bow hunting, yet alone the origins of our organization yeah. and bow hunting and, and uh, you know, even bow hunting seasons. It, it, a lot of that stuff gets taken yeah. for granted in today's world, but there was a time we didn't have bow hunting seasons and, yeah. and Pope and Young as a fledgling organization stepped up to the plate. You know, we were instrumental in a lot of areas to get this done. Yeah. And that fits right into, once again, we've got, you know, preserve bow hunting. We also have promote bow hunting. I think the museum is going to be a big part of that as well. I think you're Absolutely. going to expose people to bow hunting. I, I think a couple different things. I think you're going to expose some people to archery and bow hunting that maybe have never picked up a bow. The other thing is I think when people get in there and see the rich history behind some of this, I know it affected me. And when when you have people walk through there, they may be a hunter already. They may, you know, live to rifle hunt or they may, whatever it is, if you're a grouse hunter, bird hunter, duck hunter, you know, rifle hunter, whatever you are, I think this may very well inspire some people to want to, to accept that challenge that bow hunting provides and, and try it and say, you know what, this year I'm going to, I'm going to put down the rifle. I'm going to go try bow hunting. Well, there's no question that that'll happen. You know, I, I look back over history and as, as a young man <clears throat> growing up in the Midwest and uh, my my father was a competitive archer, uh, drug me around to the shoots and stuff. And, you know, at eight, nine years old, I was, I met Fred Bear, you know, wow. it's like, and I didn't, at that age, I didn't know who Fred Bear was. He had this giant brown bear. You stood in front of it, you, you know, you took a picture and that was cool. But I mean, Fred had it right. You know, he he was a consummate promoter of archery. Yes. And and his whole thing was pick up a bow and have more time in the field, you yeah. know. And unfortunately, in today's environment, there's a lot of places you have to pick and choose. Absolutely. But where you can do it, do it all. Yeah. Do it all. Because every time you go out in the woods, we are protecting our heritage of hunting in the North American wildlife model absolutely and without it we don't have it 
You know, sure, we could manage through a pay-to-play type uh, program, but nobody wants that. It's not healthy for the animals. It's not healthy for the uh, for anything. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that. That'll definitely have a positive impact on on people. Yeah. So and and we need to make sure from an organization that these people, if they reach out, they're we can help guide them into that, make yes. it easy for them to transition to those uh, uh, those long hours in the woods, taking your bow for a walk. Absolutely. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, there's some, some other promotion pieces. We, we have a lot of partners that we work with, you know, to promote, you know, archery, to promote bow hunting. Um, we've done a tremendous amount. I, I was actually surprised at how much we'd done with some of the youth organizations, S3DA, for example. Well, like I was saying before, none of this is new. Right. We've been doing this since the inception of the Pope and Young Club. We've never been an organization to promote ourselves, to pound our chest on what we've done, but we have spent millions of dollars, millions of man hours, uh, helping develop other organizations, youth programs. Uh, we've been involved, Boy Scouts of America, and um, we we always felt it was our responsibility to do that. We never seek, yeah. yeah, we never seek any type of validation for it. Um, and we'll continue to do those things. It's identifying the right places, the best bang for your buck to move things forward. Yes. So, and uh, the S3DA is is a great organization. You know, is it is it the end all be all? No, it's just the next thing. It's one, and, it's uh, one piece in the puzzle. That's I think. exactly right. And yeah. we're always looking for that next thing, the the yeah. one thing that's really going to set us aside and and let us mentor that organization to impact as many people as they can. It's not just yeah. kids, you know, it's, it's oh, females, it's, yeah. it's males, you know, quite honestly, you know, just the dynamics of it, uh, cold hard fact is life gets in the way, you know, you may be introduced to it as a, a kid in high school, 16 years old, and, and you, you just love it, but you graduate from high school, you may get married, have a few kids, you're on your career path. Boy, it's tough to juggle everything around. It but is. we find that, you know, they reach that settling point somewhere in their 30s mm -hmm. and uh, they need to refocus and they do. That's, yeah. uh, you know. And we're here for them. Yeah, we are. We're absolutely here for them in any capacity that we can be. Yeah. Uh, and we can't lose sight of that, you know. And, you know, we're accused of being a good old boys club, but just the the dynamics of the way it works, we got to address it. So. Yeah. Well, and hey, we're, here's the thing. Is it just, I have, I have not, we're definitely not, exclusionary we we want everyone involved we sure. don't discriminate based on anything other than the size of of your animal that's <laughs> well and and i i say that i mean we truly don't want the outlaws we don't want the people that are are uh, no poachers going out there poaching and that type of stuff and we've had to yeah. deal with that you know in our history we've had people that uh, become involved in the club and we're entering, entering illegal animals and and we have never not taken action against those people yeah. you know we're not tolerating that we've we've fair built the chase. whole organization on fair chase and yes. ethical hunting Yes. You know. And if you and, can't get behind that, then we're probably not right for you. Yeah, we're probably not, you know, but that's okay. Keep picking up your bow and going hunting. Yes. That's okay because we need you in the field. Yeah. But if you want to always know that there's going to be a season for you, then ethical 
moral decisions need to be made on how we do it. Yeah. It's that simple. So, now, now talk to us about the protection piece. I know this is something, you know, this is one I think a lot of people realistically don't understand that Pope and Young is doing this on a weekly basis. We have things that the board looks at that come across my desk every week that we're asked to look at. And we're our, our only caveat on these things is how does it affect bow hunters? You know, it doesn't matter how it affects salmon fishing. doesn't matter how it affects Groundhog Day. We're all about how does this affect bow hunting? If it's good for bow hunters, then it's typically something we're going to support. If it's not, then it's not something we're going to support and, and potentially oppose. So um, I don't know that a lot of people realize exactly how much we have done on their behalf with some of the legislation that's come through. And we are, as I look around the North American Wildlife Council meetings, you know, we're the only bow hunting organization with a seat at that table. And, you know, with that being said, as protection becomes one of our focus areas and one of our pillars, you know, what other things do we see the club doing to continue that tradition of protection and not only continue it, but step it up as one of the three pillars and, and one of the major focus areas. Sure. And that's a tough, uh, tough one to really define, you know, um, plain and simple, just by being a bow hunter and ethically making the right choices we are protecting bow hunting in the future. So that's the foundation, you know, from, from there you grow. Uh, we do uh, look at a lot of different issues. Uh, some of them we sign on to, some of them we don't. It just depends on how it applies to our cases. The, the big thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to get bogged down in the politics of stuff. And uh, in today's environment, it's easy to po do. Politics is what uh, runs everything. So, you know, we, we try to stay away from that. Sometimes that we have to get into the weeds. But the, the single biggest thing that we can contribute is our data. We have millions of data points that tell us what the, uh, what the trends are, you know. Um, for example, Quebec Labrador caribou, which are shut down right now, you can't hunt them. We have statistics that show the trends of the declines. And, um, you know, we can use that. We can show that to, uh, to help managers right. make correct decisions, you know. And sometimes the correct decision is to pull back. We, right. we have, we have to, to preserve it for later. We have to cut back today sometimes, yeah. you know. We, nobody wants to do that. You know, we're all a little selfish. I know I certainly am when it comes to hunting. But, uh, but we, we take a broader stance of that. And uh, we can give this data to do it. Here something came up about uh, decoys, in uh, Colorado, they were considering bow-mounted decoys. Bow-mounted decoys, yeah. and and what what we're seeing from the political side is in today's environment. There's 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 non-participating people trying to make decisions. Make decisions, and okay, I, I get it. That's the politics of it. But you can't argue with the facts. And as we stepped up and pro provided local and state organizations with the data then they were able to get that off of the docket. Yeah. It's, it's those type of things that we're here for 
basically the support of anybody who needs it. We're not an organization that has lobbyists and uh, full-time people dedicated to that. We dedicate ourselves to to uh, broadening the database and information and using that data to back up decisions, right or wrong decisions. So Yeah. Well, I know on, and that's a great example of, you know, something we've done because that did not affect, that basically just affected the bow hunting community. And it was Correct. a, it was a completely emotional decision that had no basis for factual. Sure. You know, it was just, oh, well, I, I don't. And I think some of it is, is one of the legislators saw a YouTube video or something and, and all of a sudden, oh, well, you shouldn't be able to use a bow-mounted decoy. It must be factual if you've seen it on YouTube. Oh, huh? yeah, it has to be the case. <laughs> yeah, or, or well, Facebook. You know, we live in an era that uh, you can make anything on film and it, it's not real time. You know, you said yeah. we, we were live right here. If I say a bad word, I say the bad word, you know. But <laughs> like in, which in, one? <laughs> in reality, uh, even the hunting shows, uh, you know, even though I believe that the hunting shows are good primarily, they're not really showing the step-by-step uh, -step of what's happening in the field. And we put a lot of emphasis um there is a lot of emphasis put on the kill instead of the hunt. And quite frankly, over the my 48 years as a bow hunter in the field, um, there's been a lot of skills lost. You know, we've gotten lazy as hunters. And, uh, and I really didn't realize it. Uh, last year, I had an elk tag in, in uh, Nevada. And Nevada had took a stance on trail cameras. It, basically, you can use trail cameras from this date to this date. But all cameras had to be off before the hunt started. And it's like, wow, you know, I've, I've used cameras all over the place, you know. So I go in there and all of a sudden, you've you got to revert back. You've got to think back. How do I read sign? How, how old right. is this sign? You know, what, what direction are those hooves coming in and going out of the yeah. water holes? What, you know, is this a, bedding, a trail going to bedding ground or what, what's going on here? And it's like... Man, we lost a lot of that knowledge, or it's still there. You just have to refresh. If you don't use it, you lose it. Type. I'll thing. tell you what. If you, if you want to question your tracking skills, because I pride, you know, I've prided myself being in, uh, spending a lot of time out in the woods, and especially from when I was young, you know, I had a certain level of pride on what I could read and how I could read tracks and you know blood trails. And I spent some time in Africa, and I learned very quickly that I don't have a one one thousandth of an idea on sure on bush skills as what those guys yeah. have those yeah. trackers over there. Oh, it's next level. It, oh. All you can say is it's next level. You know, yeah. it's, it's. I think you know, it's it, about thirty-seven <laughs> levels up. From, and I mean, I, I I saw some of those guys over there just talking about. Yeah, I mean, if I took the 20 best trackers that I know in, in the United States on our hands and knees, probably couldn't have done what this guy could do at a brisk walk. It, it just sure. blew me away. Sure. But, and um, I've, I've spent some time over there, and, and every time I am at all of their skills. Yeah. And I'm right there in their back pocket trying to learn. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, but like I said, we, you know, modern technologies have let us get lazy on some stuff. And, uh, you know, and I would encourage people to, uh, you know, go out there and practice them. Go out there in off season and uh, pay attention to, to what's, what's going on around you because it will make you a better hunter, no question about it. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I I would be remiss if, and I think I may have actually told this story before, but I have to tell a, a Dallas Smith story. And so I hope you're okay Uh-oh. with this. Oh, here we and go. Here it comes. Here we go. Let's just let's just hope that my memory serves me at least you know seventy percent correctly. Oftentimes I'm asked, you know, because I get, I get to hang out with the guys on the board. I get to know you guys pretty well over the last few years, and um, and people ask me, hey, what are these guys like? You know, is it, or is it like this? Is it like that? And and as you know, I'm I'm an I'm a hunter. I like I love to bow hunt, but you know, I'm not. I also pick up a shotgun or occasionally a rifle. And so this goes back to the Western Hunt Expo two years ago because it didn't happen last year and dallas i was sitting at a table with you (laughs) and for for the second year in a row at western somebody that i was sitting next to at a table got their name called on a big on a sheep hunt and so i i was so excited for you because this is the last what this was a big horn and this was the last one you need for your slam and so Everybody in this room obviously is jealous of you, and so you go walking up there, and uh, I, I don't want to throw anybody in or any buses or anything, but just this is just to just to let people know about the level of your dedication to bow hunting. You go up there, you had just won a phenomenal once in a lifetime bighorn hunt, and when you started talking to the outfitter that donated it, he says, "Oh." Well, I think you had just been elected vice president. And you said, oh, I'm excited. This is the last one I need. I'm a new you know, VP for Pope and Young. And, uh, and this, I need this for my slam. And I think the guy told you, well, we don't take bow hunters. Yeah. It, and, uh, you want to talk about highs and lows. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I, was, I was there, and my jaw probably hit the floor because you know they just hand you this eight by ten card this picture of this hunt lifetime once in a lifetime hunt a hunt people most of us could only dream about doing and you had just won this and all of a sudden you're like oh okay well if if i can't use my bow then why don't you just you handed it back to the guy and said why don't you just auction it off then yeah and i mean it's uh as the executive director of Pope and Young, if if I'd have won that hunt and the guy said, "Hey, well, you you can't use a bow," I'd have said, "Well, then pick a caliber because I have that rifle in my <laughs> safe, and I'll use well, it." I just the the level of commitment there, floor I would because you literally you legitimately would not have taken that hunt if you could uh, not have used a bow. Absolutely, and 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 I'm not saying telling I'm not promoting that. That's just right. a personal decision. You uh, know, that's uh I grew up in the archery world and, and the hunt means more to me than the kill does. Right. The opportunity to, to chase that animal is is really what it's all about to me, and I want to do it on my terms, you know. Yeah. And it, it, the gentleman, very nice guy, very accomplished, very nice guy, and I understand the business part of it because I am a businessman, you know, and yeah. it was like, you know, it, maybe it's not the right fix, you know, or fit between us, and, and if, if you truly don't want to experience a bow hunter in your camp, that's fine, you know. L- let's raise more money for wildlife right and uh he got he kind of stepped back though you, you oh, don't, the look you don't on his face was you, don't, re- you don't know what you're doing you don't really give it up i said no yeah. you don't understand i do know i i strive to do I've this i've been there and done that and uh you know i this was the one that i'm trying to figure out how to do and it just fell in my lap right here you know i'm the luckiest guy in the world but you know i i would rather see somebody that 
go shoot it with a rifle, that it would mean something because it wouldn't mean as much right. to me. And and I would rather see that person do it. Right. But we, we worked it out. He yeah. uh, he uh, called me in a couple of weeks and apologized, you know, said I was a little gruff. And I said, no, I, you don't need to apologize to me. You know, and I said, treat me like a gun hunter. Treat me like a rifle hunter. If you'll get up every morning, put your boots on, I will. We'll go yep. hunt hard. If we find sheep... If I, you know, let me go to work. If yeah. I, if I am blessed to get a shot and harvest that animal, hey, good on me. It's no reflection on you as an outfitter, right? You know, it's you did everything you could. That's right. all I'm asking you. If you hunt you give me, the effort, you, I'll give the effort. You hunt me as hard as you would any one of your rifle hunters. I'll either come home with one or I won't, and I'll be happy either way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm supposed to be there September 1, but unfortunately with COVID and the borders being shut down, it's going to be put off. So I I just, that was just to me, I mean, that was one of those moments where you know, they say practice what you preach, but that that was a legitimate, whoo, this guy practices. You know, I'm live in Utah. I live in Southern Utah in our state. We're blessed to have a lot of variety of animals there. And we have five, what we call once in a lifetime animals. We have desert bighorn sheep, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, mountain goats, moose, and bison. Um, I've been fortunate enough to kill four out of those five. I'm the only guy that's ever done that with a bow. They people ask me all the time, how, how did you do that with a bow? Well, didn't I didn't that. take a gun. <laughs> I've heard that, yeah. I just didn't take a gun because if you take a gun with you and you your your mood swings change, you know, it gets mm-hmm. tough and you, you start you're getting to a weak point, you get at a weak point, you take the easy way out. Yeah. And uh my uh, uh desert sheep tag, for example, I spent twenty five days on the mountain. Now, 25 days on the sheep mountain, desert sheep mountain, and this is in late August through September. You know, it's quite often 100 plus degrees. I mean, it's it's as grueling of an environment that you can imagine. And, uh, but, hey, I, I could have. I could have shot better rams than I shot with a rifle. And I contemplated it. Yeah. I was, I had got into about 80 yards on a big ram, bedded down, and I had cell service. And this was a Boone and Crockett ram. This was really uh, a special animal. And, uh, you know, I wrote out a text, texted out a text on my, my phone to tol- tell my wife to bring a rifle out to me. Yeah. But I never hit sin. Never hit sin. I laid there and I contemplated <laughs> and contemplated it. And, and I, when they finally got up, I, I really honestly thought they were going to give me a shot, come by and give me a decent shot. But they went off the side of the hill, and and I hunted that ram for a few more days and uh, got in on him a couple times, you know, busting a stock. And uh, just it, it's kind of trial and error. You just keep doing it until you until right. it all happens. And uh, you know, I still have a rocky tag in Utah. someday. I hope I'll uh, get one of those and finish close out that uh, chapter of my life. But nice. uh, it's in. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like an elitist because I'm not, you know. Uh, I've got a lot of buddies that uh, they'll call me and say, hey, I drew a, a desert tag or a buffalo tag. And I said, what do you need? I'm right there. Yeah. He says, well, you know, I've decided I'm going to shoot it for a gun. I said, like I said, what do you need? I'm there. Yeah. I'm ready to go. You well, know? that's what I was going to say was, you know, just because, just because we choose to do it with a bow only doesn't mean... We looked down on anybody. Exactly. And I walked into church the other day, and, and one of my buddies, and he knew me well, and I I know him well, so I know he wasn't 
saying it, but but I wore a Three Rivers Archery shirt, and their slogan is traditional only, and I was wearing it, and, and he said, look here, son, this is what we call an elitist. And he was just joking. I yeah. know he was. Mm-hmm. But that is the mindset of people. Sure. You know, we look at people who do shoot a, a traditional only, and that's all they shoot, and we think, oh, you're too good for a compound. And then gun hunters look at us who only hunt with compounds. They say, oh, look at you. You're too good for... That's not what I said. Sure. That's just how I choose to hunt. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, I never said, well, because you shoot a compound, you're a bad guy. Yeah. I'm just wearing a t-shirt. Right. You know, or because you shoot a gun doesn't mean you're a bad guy. I just choose to shoot a bow. Sure. And I don't... You know, Dylan, I don't like the the terminology of traditional archery we're all bow hunters yeah you know 100 and and even further than that we're all hunters whether you choose yep. to do it with a rifle or a bow or a crossbow they all have their place you know and and good on the people if that's what they want to do I, I that's fine i don't have a problem with that and quite honestly like i said earlier fred bear had it right you know, enjoy yeah. your second get season, mm-hmm. get outside, yeah. enjoy your second season in today's environment. There's not a pl- lot of places that we get to choose to go bow hunting. And then if we haven't harvested, go gun hunting. Yeah. But I promise you, I absolutely promise you, if we had that structure of management, I would take that time in the field. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a problem. Uh, and I think that's what we have to get back to. You know, we, we've just got to get back to the, We are hunters. We are here. We serve as a management tool Absolutely. to wildlife. You know, that's really what it's all about. We have, the excess. we have a system that allows us to hunt every year the excess animals that we have raised. And fundamentally, most people don't realize that. You know, and, you know, with that, if you want to control populations, you harvest the females that controls the population. Mm -hmm. If you want to manage to a certain number or quality, the surplus is in the the male species. So that's kind of down in the weeds and and whatnot. We don't like to think about it, but next time you're out there in the field, realize that, that you are, you're a tool. And if you live in a place that says... He, You're he allowed to at, shoot seven deer. That's what Did, needs to be shot. I mean, and, and we do a very poor job of fulfilling our responsibility yes. to wildlife. Uh, you know, and, and it's tough, but there's ways that, uh, you know, and, and us as an organization have got behind promoting organizations that, you know, farmers for hunters or hunters for for the poor or whatever. Feeding the hungry. Yeah, yeah feeding the hungry and stuff. Uh, because it is, there's no better protein on the planet, yep. you know. And, uh, you know, friends, families, you know, I donate meat to uh, uh, needy families in the area. Um, I used to do it more, but now it's people, my neighbors are coming to me and oh, yeah. meat, you know. Well, I think a lot so. of people in that pandemic realized, wait a minute. I've been looking down on hunters for eating wild game. I don't have any meat. Yeah. Yeah. They're sitting there eating steaks every night. Sure. Yeah. And they have people calling me that, that, oh, I don't like deer. Well, well, when Walmart's out of meat, you're calling me, asking me for deer meat. Yeah. Because you don't have meat. Right. And so I think the pandemic opened a lot of eyes to, wait a minute, they've been right all along. (laughs) Sure. Because they have a meat source. Yeah. Right. No. And then that's a, that's a piece of the puzzle for sure. So, and there are guys out there that donate everything they shoot and that's okay. We're yeah. still, when it boils down to, we have to keep in mind, we got to keep focused that we're there to serve the animals, mm-hmm. okay? Because without us, they disappear, you know? And, yeah. you know, back in, in my younger days up in Northern Michigan, uh, you could drive up there and you could literally see deer herds starving to death. They were so overpopulated that you literally see 
deer drop of of starvation. Hmm. You know, that is not right. It's not a good way to go. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't let somebody on the street starve. Why are we letting these deer starve? You know, and uh, you know, fortunately, it is a science and. You you try stuff and, and you fail, but you learn from your mistakes and you keep moving forward. And yeah. and, and we have a remarkable uh, management program. You know, if we could keep the politics out of it, it'd be better. But yeah, but we have to live. We have to learn to live within the way it's done. I think you could say that about just about everything. Sure, <laughs> we keep the sure. politics out, it'd be better. Yeah, well, we kind of got off top, top topic here, but uh, of the pillars. What do you think about the new brand? The new logos. You know, hey, it's sharp. It's clean. It's sharp. It's, uh, yeah, you know, what What can you say? I, I'm excited to get the feedback from the people out there. You know, you know my idea uh, when we started creating this was, and I hope, like you said, I'm excited to hear feedback, but I hope this is is how it takes. I wanted to just create a brand that any bow hunter would be proud to sure. to to wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we're going to represent every bow hunter, then, then I want every bow hunter to look at that and say, I am yep. a bow hunter. Yep. You know, I, I do yep. bow hunt. And yeah, that represents me, you bet. And so, yeah. And I think it does a, a good job of doing that. It, it's clean. It's crisp. It'll be here for a long time. Uh, you know, we had some pushback about getting away from our traditional look mm-hmm. and that type of stuff. And we still actually, in in some sense, situations, will use that. But uh, well, that's this, what we this is the branding about. going we, forward. We don't want to get away from who we've always been. Yeah, the historical right. side of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, know. and that's the preserve it's, part. Uh, We're going to preserve right. our past as mm-hmm. well as bow hunting past. Sure. We don't want to get away from who we've always been, mm-hmm. uh, but we just want to make strides to be the, the future of bow hunting as well. Right, right. You know, a minute ago I said I don't like that word traditional archery, and, and I say that because... You know, our organization was uh, influenced by Pope and Young and, uh, you know, our founding fathers. Um, Pope and Young, in their time frame, they were cutting edge. They, they, it was the most technologically advanced, advanced stuff, at that time. and they developed stuff around that. And as it progressed, even the club's founding fathers, uh, uh, you know, Har Beavers and uh, Glenn St. Charles and these individuals, uh, Glenn especially, uh, he built bows and he, his perception of traditional was this, but he strived to find better glass to back his bows with, better glues to put it together with. So when you say traditional, where do you, I mean, why didn't uh, Pope and Young go out and, and do the same way that Ishii did it, you know? Mm-hmm. So traditions expand and move forward yeah. and we need to, we need to take down those walls you know i don't put any higher value and i've killed animals that's gone in the book with recurve uh bows uh, with compound bows i put no higher value on what i did there there's specific reasons why i use weaponry that i use in that time frame you know if somebody wants to be shoot a traditional or a long bow more power to you man it uh, it takes a lot of dedication and, and i respect that i actually yeah. got to shoot a bow that harv made Oh, did you? What a great man! I was at his house, (laughs) uh, not not too far back, and and uh, he pulled out a bow that he made. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember what year he said. I think it was sixties, sixties, and and uh, dude, I shot that bow better than any bow I've shot in a long time. Sure, it was a shooter, man, and uh, it was it was it was a honor to get to shoot it you bet you know when i when i just want to go plink around i pick up my recurve and Mm -hmm. i go play. It's it's just it's fun. Yes, it is. So I know, Dallas, we've talked about the the new direction for Pope and Young. We've talked about 
preserve, promote, protect. Um, and, and going along with that, you know, here we have some traditions on our podcast. And one of those yes, traditions. Yes, we do. Well, no, wait, wait one second okay. because you, you said new direction, and I, I just want to, I want to correct that just slightly. It's not new direction; new it's just emphasis. new focus. Yes, it's just new focus on on what we've done and move forward. How can we continue that? And even more so, casting our our focus exactly to the, general public. To the next exactly. sixty years. We yeah. we haven't. Uh, our integrity is strong. We haven't changed our uh, stances on what we believe a bow is. You know, we have a extremely good definition of a bow and arrow. Um, we have a phenomenal outline of what fair chase hunting is. Mm-hmm. And arguably, those are great statements and positions of the club. Um, what is that definition of what a bow is? You know, I would have to read it. To, to, to do it justice, and I don't have it in front of me, but you can see it on our uh, on the website. website. But it really defines what a vertical bow is. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wish I could repeat it verbatim, but I don't, I'd butchered it if I tried. Um, you know, we're not, there's been a big battle with crossbows over the years, and, and crossbow people think we're the elitist and don't want them out there. But, you know, the fact of the matter, there's a place for crossbows. It's just not yeah. in our organization, you yep. know. Um, the, the great thing about it is um, crossbows enthusiasts have come up and are starting their own records program. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have the infrastructure of our measures, over 900 measures, and we've directed those measures if they want to help and measure animals for them, they're more than welcome to. It's the same system. They're just going to keep the data, and we can compare data down the road, and we need to because, you know, I, I don't blame them for wanting to try to get into the best season structures out there. My gosh, who, who yeah. wouldn't, you know? But we can statistically show that they aren't the same weaponry, you know? Right. And that takes time. And as their database rolls up, I believe that their opinions will start to change um, change, and be more in line with ours because the bottom line, we are a tool for wildlife. Yes. And that's what you got to keep in focus. Yeah, I actually had a conversation with, with Jim at Bolton Coral and just letting him know, hey, this is kind of where we're at and here's here's our stance. We're not against crossbows. We just view them differently and, and there's a place for them. And well, you know, and I, I had a conversation with, with a company the other day and I'm not certainly not going to name any names. And uh, we were talking about working with the club and uh, he said, nope, you guys don't accept crossbows and we sell <clears throat> accessories for crossbows. I said, well, but you also sell a whole lot of accessories for compounds and recurves, don't you? And he said, well, yeah, but we sell stuff for, for crossbows. And I said, but I mean, we're not against you selling those products. Right. But if somebody uses those products, they just can't enter them into our books. And it was just, it was, it was just a, nope, you guys are closed off. So we're going to close you off. And, And we're not closed off. We just don't, it's just not our books. That, yeah, that's we, what I was talking about, building those walls. We need yeah. to tear down those walls. Absolutely. You know, we need to accept people for who they are and what they want to do because when it all boils out, we're just a tool. And yep. uh, uh, we choose our tool, and we have a good definition of what that tool is. And, and quite frankly, the crossbow doesn't fit into it. Right. They fit into their own realm, yep. their own world, and they are starting to move forward and carve out their own oh. world. And, that's, and they that's have their own needs. book. 
Yeah. So, or at one point they will for sure. Yeah, yeah. they do. It's yeah. out. Or it, well, I don't know if they have an yeah. actual physical book, but they have the a records, records program. program. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and there are and we left it to the mes- our measures discretion because there's some guys that that refuse to do it and that's fine. But I'm a measure, and if somebody comes to me with a uh, crossbow uh, killed animal, I'm actually happy that I can measure that animal, preserve it for for posterity mm-hmm. and send it to that organization because yeah. that is data that in the future can be used in a positive manner. You bet. So. Well, Dallas, once again, speaking of uh, preserve, we're, our, this is our... This might be the toughest question you'll get asked all week. This is probably the toughest question mm-hmm. of the week. Um, you know, and we ask every guest this question. Do you listen to our podcast? That's a no. That wasn't the question. He's not prepared. No. No, I got to tell you, um, I I am a different generation, and uh, I have to spend a lot of time on my phone, on the work, and in my business. And man, I I shut down electronics. If I'm not working, I I get away from them because they just, they're all, they're just so consuming for me. But I'm glad that you guys are doing it because you're reaching a different generation yeah. than me. And that's what really it's designed for. I just ask you, some guys are like, oh, I've been preparing for this one. And then other yeah, guys so this is wrong. Hindsight. I didn't even know I was doing this until yeah, days ago. Yeah, 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 in his defense, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did have a short notice. Yeah. But we said, Dallas, hang up the phone. We need yeah. you in here. <laughs> so, well, I, here's, here's the question. Uh-huh. What is one piece of gear, a non-traditional piece of equipment that you wind up taking with you on your hunts? Can't be a knife or something like that. It has to be something. What's something a little bit maybe that not everybody would consider having with them? Hmm. Okay. Well, I, so I'm I live in Utah. I'm a Western hunter. So okay. I'm going to change that question just slightly to say what is one of the most important things that I carry with me, and that's my binoculars. Okay. So I, I I have left my vehicle, left my binoculars in my vehicle or at mm-hmm. home, got out of the field and felt naked and literally just, I'm not prepared to, to be in the field and have to go back and get them, you know? Okay. Now I've left my bow in my truck before, just whatever reason, you know, take off, walk up a hill. I still have my binoculars. I've yeah. never turned around to go get my bow unless I found an animal. <laughs> So, so that's that's the item that I it, I a okay. must have type item. And I think um, that I think the truly top notch hunters, and I've said this for years. I, you, if you really want to get to that next level, you need to spend more time behind the glass than behind the bow or behind mm-hmm. the gun. But it's a great tool to to up your odds. You, yeah. But it's like anything else; you got to know how to use them. So, yeah. but I, you know, I, this is going to sound kind of corny. Oh, we're, but, we've had some corny. So we don't mind corny at all. I, I take my uh, my relationships with me. You know, uh, I've lost some good friends recently. Recently, that, yes. That, you know, <clears throat> we just had a funeral for one on uh, last Friday, and uh, yeah, I've traveled. 50,000 miles in the air with him going hunting. Wow. Driven 20,000 miles, hiked thousands of miles, you know. So those are what I carry with me. Gotcha. Keeps me focused, keeps me going. Crap, Jason, you just gave the best answer. That that (laughs) might have trumped your Bible. Dang. I don't know, bacon's still in the hunt for me. 
Bacon. That's bacon. Yeah, that's uh, that's still in the hunt for my top answer. But I like bacon. We do so. have to give a live update though. We got to give an update. Okay, live update. So Nick Munt, while back. Yes, the famous absolute. I mean, I think this is. I don't know if it's technically viral, but it's viral in our minds. It's viral in our minds. So Nick Munt, he said uncrustables. Uncrustables was his answer. Which are you know what those are? I don't. Little sandwiches you can I didn't buy either. in the freezer section at Walmart. Mm, they're for okay. little kids. Mm-hmm. They they're not just for little kids anymore. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> they're not. for little kids and bow hunters. Mm. Um, they cut the crust off and it's like a, just a okay. little bit sandwich. All right. And uh, they're in the freezer, so you got to thaw them out. So Nick's idea behind this was they're perfect because I take them out of the freezer, put them in my pack. By the time I'm ready for a snack, they're thawed, and it's a perfect PB&J sandwich. So me and Jason uh, at our last Mountain Archery Fest event were like, dude, we're going to get some Uncrustables. And, we had uh, some. We changed the game on them, too, a little bit. It's Well, the, I mean, I think we realized that the potential was bigger than what even Nick realized. Yeah, we got to find. Is he going to be here? I don't know if he's coming. We'll have to find out. We dropped him in the toaster. And we toasted those things oh, up, wow. mm. and they were scrumptious. I was next level. Well, I don't know how I'm going to carry a toaster on the field with me. <laughs> well, but, that's just uh, for But I home. will try them. That's just for <laughs> that's, right ba- that's base camp. We just we just like to let well, everybody know. You know, I posted that on I posted that on Pope and Young. Um, I did, and that's somebody commented and said, and said that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> he said yeah. that's cute. Butter every side of it and put it in your air fryer, and I'm like. Okay, wow. I'm in. <laughs> and the well, journey continues. So somebody else has already experimented yeah. with them too. Yeah, nice. Well, nice. that's good. Well, Dallas, uh, once again, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. I know a lot of excitement around the convention. I mean, I, I'm so excited because we've been planning. I, I think I've been planning conventions for three years. You know, we planned Reno, weren't able to have Reno. Then we planned, or I'm sorry, Virginia. And that was canceled literally three weeks out. Everything was even in there. Yeah. It, it was it was there, ready to roll. And then we started on Reno. We've been planning Reno. We got just before Reno, it got moved from April to July. And so I know for one, I am I am so thrilled to to see all to of our friends here, here to have our vendors, Absolutely. to have our corporate partners, and uh, everybody coming together. I can't wait to hear some stories and. And tell some stories and you know, come out. You've still got two days, three yeah, days. Absolutely. We'd love to see you. You know, it's it's funny you say that. Uh, any one thing that happened over the last two years would be catastrophic to most, most organizations yes. or most individuals mentally. But, man, you, you've been dodging fastballs for the oh. last two and a half years trying to get this thing in place. And, and kudos <laughs> to you. You've done a great job. That you and your team, team. Uh, have, have done really yeah. well. Uh, hopefully the board has uh, given you the support that we can to get it done. Uh, hopefully that's a piece of it. But, you, uh, you guys have been very supportive. And, you know, I, I think – I don't know what else you could throw at me. We've had – hey, you know, in, in the middle of – you know, plan this convention. Let's move the convention. And then while we're, you know, last stages of prepping convention, you know, we're going to sell the building. <laughs> and then, oh, we're going to move the museum. Ah, let's move the... Uh, there's been a lot... I don't think people realize exactly how much has been yeah. going on. Yeah, there's and, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And, uh, and some people will think they're negative, but really in the long scheme of things, they, the they're club. very positive. They're yeah. moving forward. Yes. And, and there'll still be a presence of all that stuff. Yes. And, uh, you know, just things change. You just move yeah. forward and keep a positive attitude. And, and uh, you know, the club's here. We're, yeah. we're very strong. We have as 
strong, dedicated members of any organization Absolutely. out there. And we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to uh, protect, preserve, promote. 60 more years, so, Dallas. Yeah, I, don't, I, more. I won't be there, but some of these youngsters will. And, and uh, I hope they're sitting in this podcast seat or whatever the next big thing is at that time frame and have great stories to share. Um, I like it. Well, I appreciate you being on. We we could, I've talked. I've had the privilege of talking to Dallas a bunch, so we could literally spend all day <laughs> sitting here talking about bow hunting and trips and Pope and Young. And so, but we appreciate you joining us. Um, we're excited to have you here. And uh, so, once again, enjoy the convention. If you're out there listening, if you can get down to Reno, this is one you're not going to want to miss. Yeah, absolutely. If you do come, you see me on the floor, come up and introduce yourself. I love meeting new people, find out where you're from, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll share a campfire someday. 